I'm not talking to you because I have some interest in pursuing my own career. It's just like, I am interested in the stakes of what you look at and what you love and where it leads you eternally. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. The scripture reading from this morning comes from John chapter 13, 36, 14 verse, uh, through 6. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Stephanie and I have come up with a, a, a theme for the year. I want to tell you about it today, right before our church day. <laughs> and, it, well, the, the church calendar year for us as we plan starts in September. So that's generally, it's almost like a, a church, like a school calendar kind of thing. But what you're talking about was, what was it, Stephanie? Focus. Wow. Wow. Well, even, uh, you know, I, I give up. I just go, I should just go. Yeah, he did. Will knew the answer. There, that's, that's good. Focus. Folk, will you focus, please, Stephanie? All right. Now, I want you all to focus, to think about blue things. Look around. Do you see blue things? Look at blue. Look for the color blue. Look around. Look around for the color blue. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I want you to list for me everything red you saw in the room. Everything red. Anybody catch the shirt over there? Connie's shirt? No. I, I asked you to look at blue and then recall to focus on blue. And then when I asked you to think about red or what you saw that was red, not, you drew a blank, right? Focus. Whatever you focus on determines what you see. Focus. What you are focused on. There was a famous writer many, many years ago. He influenced Wesley and a number of great preachers. His name was Henry Skugel. With a name like Skugel, you'll never be famous. <laughs> Skugel. And what he said is that the worth of a soul the worth of the heart of a man is determined by the object of its affection. What is it focus on? You know, we could call focus other things, couldn't we? Couldn't we rename focus worship? Couldn't we talk about focus and define it as faith? 
Couldn't we? And then begin to unpack what we know to be true. What you focus on, what you focus on for your career, your personal life, your personal development, whatever it is, that is where, that's where you're headed. Uh, this is a little rule for driving, and I, it's actually a rule that most uh, race car drivers know quite well, especially when you're traveling at tremendously high velocity. Wherever your eyes are looking, that's where you wind up crashing. Wherever you look, that's where the car goes. And when you're on traveling down 280, guess what? In a crisis, in a moment of fear, the panic in an intersection, your car will wind up wherever you were looking. And race car drivers know that. Uh, people, people in the in the, in the, in, the, in in business know that. Uh, people who are interested in high level of performance in sports know these truths. What you focus on determines your outcomes. And what we have to do is we have to focus on the right things. Focusing on the right things determines everything. So, if focus is equal to destiny, then Jesus, focus on Jesus results in a destiny of what? Eternal life. Why am I talking to you today? I'm not talking to you because I have some interest in, pers in pursuing my own career. It's just like, who cares about this? Who cares about that? I am interested in eternal life. I am interested in the stakes of what you look at and what you love and where it leads you eternally. I am interested. I think the stakes are very high in this moment. They're always high. They're always resulting in outcomes, eternal outcomes ultimately. And so I take this to be a very serious moment. That's why I'm always in such earnest about it. This is, I'm not messing around. I believe people will die or live based upon the words that are spoken about eternal life in Jesus. Nothing less, nothing less than that. The purpose of preaching, the purpose of what I have, I, I have uh, my career and what I'm here for is what? Is to bring rebirth into eternal life. Rebirth into the life of God in Christ. And so we turn now to John. But what competes with this focus? Imagine focus and you're looking at the center of the screen. But what happens? There are distractions, aren't there? There are other things to focus on. Fear. Anxiety. Fear. Fear. The, the, uh, sometimes people false evidence appearing real. I don't know if that's good or not as an acronym. Fear. Uh, uh, this, I'm scared. Uh, do, you ever, do you ever get into a place where you're just scared of everything? Has anybody ever gotten to that point where you're just frightened of everything? Like, you're sure there's anything could get you at some point. And you realize that you're, just, you're afraid of everything. That's a kind of fear. Anxiety. That pulsing, pulsing. Send that, like, let me see, you can almost see, if, if you look hard, you can see my forehead, like, pulsing. You know, like, anxiety. Depression, here's the great hallmark of my adult life. Depression, sadness, grief, an internal, an internal pain that I can't process or describe or figure out what to do with. I need to, you know, I mean, they're looking for something, something to anesthetize or somehow, but what, depression, you see, you notice, you can have a focus on Jesus for eternal life and that's your destiny, but what happens? Oh wait, I start, oh wait, I'm depressed. Oh, and I'm afraid. And this constellation of distractions starts to, starts to circle your life. I'm sorry, wrong way. Depression, panic, despair, trouble. And what did Jesus say? Let not your hearts be troubled. Did you hear it? 
By the way, everything I'm describing here, these are the disciples. This is actually John 14. This is what's happening. Christ is on his way in a, in, a, in a wonderful collegial dinner with friends. He turns to them and goes, one of you's a liar and a killer and demonically infested and I'm going to die. What? what, 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 what did, 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 did you hear me say? I, no, you're going to betray me. What? what, what no, you're all going to leave me. What? Oh, what is he talking about? I thought we were going to the feast. I thought we were going to Passover. You know, you know how Jesus gets. He's being weird today. He's really being squirrely. He wants to go to some garden and pray. Well, let's go. I don't know what he's had at night. I don't understand what he's talking about. If he leaves, what is going to happen to the cause? I mean, uh, Peter, are you ready to lead? Well, Peter can't lead. Didn't you hear what he just said about Peter? He said, Peter is a traitor. Well, I'm ready to read, says Thomas. I just need to figure out where he's going. Maybe I can take the mantle. I don't know. What are we going to do? It's just, maybe he's just nuts. What's, Jesus is upset. Why is he talking about dying? Why is he talking about dying? Stop talking about dying. Trouble. You know, um, the disciples in their conversation and their confusion and their alarm and their fear and their anxiety and their depression they're all his closest friends. And you know what's funny to me? Across all these thousands of years, I feel like we're still the same kinds of people <laughs> around him. His circle really does seem the same, doesn't it? If you look around, doesn't his circle, don't you see the same kinds of people, the same kinds of issues, the same kinds of alarms, the same kind? Wait, 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 what's the way to go? Is Jesus going to leave me? Am I going to be all right? What's going to happen? Trouble. There's trouble right here in River City. <laughs> I had to quote that with a capital T in this. Right, stands for. How's that go? That rhymes with P and that stands for pool. That's from an old musical. But there's trouble right here in San Francisco. This is the sermon today. Don't be scared or frightened or alarmed or afraid ever. Connie, don't ever be frightened or alarmed or afraid. Chris, Chris, don't ever be alarmed or frightened. Michael, somebody could have cut you tomorrow. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Don't be frightened, ever. Why? For these three reasons. You won't be when Jesus gets bigger. You won't be when Jesus tells you your truth. <laughs> you won't be when Jesus holds all of time. Jesus is saying to you, to us all, get your eyes on me. Focus. Come on. I, I, I do this with my, now I, I, this may be a little demeaning. I'll pick on Eric in particular because Eric is in the splash zone as the front row is affectionately nicknamed. Eyes on me. You know, I do it all the time. I do it with my dog. I'm always trying to get my, that's why I was going to pick on Eric. Because my little puppy is always running around, always running, eat, let's get this, wants to eat that. And then who knows in San Francisco what he's going to pick up off the street. It's like a panic to have a puppy in this city because you just don't know what he's putting in his mouth. And so you're always freaking out, drop it, drop it, drop it, eyes on me. Eyes. And I, I, you know what? I hear Jesus saying the same thing. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. Eyes right here. Eyes right on me, says Jesus. Focus on me. Everything determined, everything in your life falls or stands or comes or goes or is or isn't based on whether you're focused on me. Eyes on me, says Jesus. Eyes on me, says Jesus. All eyes, says Jesus. On me. Pay attention. Do I have your attention, says the Lord? Let's begin.
Get Jesus bigger. <laughs> Let not your hearts be troubled. We've got to believe in God. Believe also in me. And he, he is the I am. These are, the, these are the verses we're going to look at for what they demonstrate about Christ's greatness. Getting Christ bigger. Getting him big. Now, how big is he? He is the great I am. <laughs> There's a bush burning when this vein first happens. There's a bush burning, a marvel Moses never saw before. There was a bush burning and he said, I must go and take a look at this. So he walked over to the bush. It's exactly what it says. And he walked over and God said, I'm going to tell you my name. I have a sacred holy name that places me above space and time in the cosmos. I am the I am. There's no one like me. No one like me. I am the I am. Woo. And then John takes the Greek language and just keeps putting it in Christ's mouth. Takes the Greek language. So Christ says stuff like, I am the bread of life. And the Greek is unmistakable. It is, ego, it is a restatement. It is, the, it is the holy name. And what is John trying to do? Multiple times over uh, in the text. Oh, by the way, I'll even show you one of the I am's I missed in your translation down there in verse three. I'll show it to you in a second. It's a little bit different. But Jesus is God himself, the great I am. Look at, look at verse six. I am, that's the name, the way, the truth, and the life. <sighs> Who uses their name as a verb? <laughs> Who uses their name as a verb? Who? All right, there were years ago, very years ago, there were some people in the, in the church were frustrated with me. The church had been growing, and I wasn't meeting with people as much, and I wasn't answering phone calls. I know it sounds familiar, doesn't it? And I'm always been terrible at that. And people would say, oh, you've been Christ. Oh. <laughs> All right, if, I, please don't ever do that. Very, it really hurt my feelings. I, I, you've been Christ. <sighs> Have you been Jesus? Have you been I am'd? Do you hear it? His, his name he uses as a verb to describe who he is from eternity because he is that great. Christ's greatness is he's both subject and object. He is both subject and pre he's predicate and object. He can be everything. He is the Lord. And, and the reason I translate those ancient name of God, the Yahweh name, is because we know from good Good philological historical study that the name Yahweh is the verb to be. And what are we doing here when we get Jesus this big? This grammar of eternal life, a present tense savior, the great I am. His name itself is active into you. This is the grammar of eternity. The, great, the I am. And that's why, did you look in the text? Did you look in the psalm, the, the translation we had of that psalm? How many times in the translation of the psalm? You go back to the beginning of the call of worship. He is the great I am. Insert Christ, Peter. Insert him in there. Insert him in your hearts right now. Maybe even right now you're like, this guy's a little nutty. I don't like to listen. It's fine. Open it up and just pray to Jesus, your Savior, as the I am, and put his name in there. And you'll be, the, the scripture's better than my words anyway. Go and do that if you have to, so that you can know some of the size of Jesus that he is hinting at, that John is trying to get your heart around. Oh, it gets better. 
let's go to the grammar of that phrase right there. There's some, there's some, uh, there's some debate about how to translate that verse, that verse one. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled, imperative voice in the Greek. Then it says, believe into God, believe also into me. Now, the imperative and the second person plurals look the same. They have the same form. So is it, let not your hearts be troubled, believe, believe, or is it indicative? And it would read this way. Let not your hearts be troubled. You know you believe in God. You know you believe in me. You could, you could translate it either way. You could translate it either way. At least people have always wondered which one it was, but I think we know now. I do. I really do think we know now because we know the Greek, we know the, the Hebrew language now that lies below Greek. J- John was a Hebrew speaker. And that expression is actually a perfect chiasm. What's a chiasm? It's an ancient mnemonic device, a memory helper, where the writer would pack truth in between to other truths. It's like a little chocolate with a, with a little nougat in the center. It's a candy bar in the text. And the candy bar is this. The beginning word is believe, and the last word is believe in the Greek. So believe into God and into me believe. Do you hear the, the crescendo? Believe into God, into me believe. That's why I'm convinced it's a command. Because it's all about being aimed and aiming your faith and your trust and your confidence on what? The greatness of Jesus. The greatness rule. Yes, the much greater rule. Let me, don't you realize what the eternity of God is telling us? That means every time you've thought of the love of Christ, Eric, and this should be easy for you to do this. You should, be, you should think about the, when you're thinking about how much Christ loves you, you should say to yourself, Eric, you're wrong. You should be comfortable saying that by now. Eric, you're wrong. <laughs> now I'm teasing you, but what am I going to say here? Why? Because he's much bigger than that. What's, what's that little key that I'm giving, I'm giving Eric right there? It's a key to constantly expanding the horizons of the majesty of Jesus Christ. You see, you think you had a notion of his love. You thought you had a notion of his passion. You thought you had a notion of his tenderness or his kindness. I assure you, Joyce, he's much bigger than that. He is much greater and much kinder. He is much more gentle, much more loving, tender, and pursuing than you ever guessed. Oh, you know what it is? This, is? this is the idea. We're supposed to escalate this. We're supposed to escalate in your heart when you're home, Eric. You can go, oh, I am wrong, but I'm blessed that I'm wrong because I know he's greater now. I can see it with an ever-increasing vision. <laughs> you see, we're, we're engaged in an imaginative pursuit, and our imagination was meant to be a servant to our faith. It was meant to serve our faith and set it free. It was meant to put wings on our faith so they could fly in front of God and go, I know his greatness. I have begun to see. I've begun to love. I've begun to know. I've begun to focus right. You see, what am I doing here? What am I training you? What is Christ saying? Eyes on me. Eyes on me. I'm greater. Eyes on me and my greatness. Get it bigger. I'm much greater. I am ever so much greater. Oh, adopting the much bigger rule for our thinking. What does this do? Well, now if we do this, I love the passive middle. Let not your heart. It's like, how are you going to act on your own? I'm not very good at making this heart do anything. How about you? Are you already good with your heart there, Mike? You ever gotten control of it yet? What's he teaching you here? When your focus is on Christ, what happens? Your heart's not troubled anymore. You, you, you haven't let it. 
Get it? You haven't led a vigil. Your focus is on Jesus. Eyes on me, says Jesus. Eyes on me. And when your eyes are on Christ, what happens to your troubles, Mike? You don't even know where they are. You can't see them anymore. They've evaporated in the fire of his love as you've begun to escalate and see him getting bigger. This is worship. This is what's happening in the text. This is what we're being invited into. This is the greatness of Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What greater claim to absolute love can there be? I get excited. Don't be scared or frightened or alarmed or afraid, ever. You won't be when Jesus gets bigger. Eyes on me, says. You won't be, what? When Jesus tells you your truth. Will you lay down your life for me? Peter's gotten all big. He's proclaimed his passion for Christ. He's never going to leave him. And then Christ knows the score. He knows, he knows what's going to happen. He knows in particular what Peter will do. Peter will go and three different times as he's asked, three different times he's been pursued by young, a young person, uh, just at a fire in a casual moment. Three times he's asked, sorry, three times he's asked, uh, don't you know him? And what did he say? I don't even know what you're talking about. Hey, me. I don't even know. Bleep, 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 bleep. The, the scriptures don't record it. They just say, and with much cursing, he said. <laughs> he insisted. But what's so important about this? Peter told us about what he did. Why? Peter told us. Well, that's why we know all those details about the conversation with the girl by the fire and how he looked over at Jesus and caught his eye. Only an eyewitness who had been there would know those details. How, why do we know Peter's betrayal? Because Peter told us. Why did Peter tell on himself? Why was it important for Peter to tell on himself? You, I, hope you, I hope you're beginning to see it. I hope, you, I, hope you, I hope a clue of this is beginning to appear in your heart. Because Peter knew that Jesus knew that he knew that he knew. I know. If you unpack it, you'll get it later. Jesus knew that he knew that he knew. And that he knew before he did it. And with perfect knowledge, said, I love you anyway. Don't you get what that meant to Peter forever? Don't you get when Peter was standing before the Sanhedrin and it said threatened to kill his life? Don't you get, in the, as, as, the, as legend has it, it's not from the scripture, when Peter was asked to be crucified, he's told he'd be crucified like his Savior said, I am not worthy to be crucified. So they hung him upside down to mock him. <laughs> but he was ready then, wasn't he? He was so ready. You know why? Because a love like that, a love that owned him, pursued him, anointed him, raised him up, and even made him a preacher when he was the denier and the, and the, and the coward and the liar and the cheat and the backroom boy who wasn't paying. <sighs> Jesus knows your truth, doesn't he? And he has set his love upon you. He knew your truth before you were born. Now dare to imagine what that love must mean. Dare to imagine, there's in the Old Testament, there is no sacrifice when you do a sin with what's called a high hand. And what that means is you do it knowing full well what you're doing, and you're going to do it anyway, and you'll give a sacrifice later, and forget all y'all, right? <laughs> now, that was what the Catholic Church wound up doing with indentured, with, with the uh, indulgences in the Middle Ages. Now, um, 
There's no sacrifice for that kind of sin until Jesus. Jesus is a sacrifice for sins like that, Gina, because those are the sins you committed. Those are the sins I committed. We sinned against knowledge, you and I. So did you, Miguel. So did Peter. Praise the Savior who loves. He knows your truth, and he wants to get in front of that truth and in front of what you know about yourself and your record and your crimes and your sins. And he wants to get in front of it and say, no, I knew. My love belongs to you perfectly forever. Yeah, get him big enough. He knows your truth. He wants to set your heart free. Now, one more question beyond this. Why do you hide your sin all the time? I know a lot of you are ashamed and you're hiding your lies. You're hiding your lack of passion. You're hiding your double-minded soul. You're hiding. We hide our fails, fears, and failures, our hatreds and our bitternesses and our jealousies. When really, if we openly confess like, 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 like Peter did, what do we discover? An opportunity to reveal the greatness of Christ's love. You know, why do I get up here and tell you what a miserable wretch I am and how I'm the worst pastor I can imagine, let alone the worst Christian I've ever met? Maybe some of you will despise me. Maybe some of you already have. That doesn't matter to me. Despise me all day. But all I know is that means I'm a testimony and a testament and proof of the love of God for sinners, Mike. You should take great courage that God loves me. I've told you who I am. I didn't, I didn't mince words. <laughs> Praise God. Focus. Eyes on me, says Jesus. Not on your sin, not on your past, not on your crimes. Eyes on me. Eyes on me, he says. Eyes on me, he says. Focus. Focus. Don't focus on your failures. Focus. I'm a savior <laughs> who knew. And I loved you anyway. It gets better than this. Don't be scared or frightened or alarmed or afraid ever. You won't be when Jesus holds all of time. Duh. Of course not. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to capture this last one, but it's about how he holds time is how he holds the future. I go to prepare a place for you. What is he talking about? What's he talking about? Heaven. Heaven. It's, a, it's, a weird, it's such a weird little statement. He just like turns around and he goes, by the way, what are you worried about? You know, if, if it weren't like this, I would have told you. Are you... You know, and, and so it's heaven, it's, it's glory, it's preparation, it's like anticipation. Now, no, 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 I know, you know that the Bible doesn't describe heaven a lot? You know that it doesn't describe heaven a great deal. Do you know why? Because I don't think it would work. I think the matrix, I think the robot in the matrix, I think the computer in the matrix was right. I think the computer in the matrix was right. Do you remember the movie The Matrix? Well, at one point, in a candid moment, the computer program tells our hero that the reason that, that, that humanity is sick, he said, we tried to create a, an illusion. You remember robots? For those of you who are not sci-fi people, <laughs> future age, uh, robots have taken over and we're enslaved and harvested for our biological energy to sustain the massive computer of the future. All right? Sounds plausible to me. And so, and so, and so. But the computer tells the hero, we tried to put man in a simulation that was happy. We tried to take you, you miserable creatures and put you in happiness. And guess what? It backfired. You can't stand happiness. That's how, that's how corrupt and how much you should be wiped off the face of the earth. I mean, the computer hates us. We are an abomination. What's a real truth to that, isn't it? In other words, we understand better you shall not than you shall. 
<laughs> we just do. We understand negatives. We don't understand positives. And so we, it's, there's something that we, and so what, one of the things that heaven does, one of the things that the ancient descriptions of heaven do is they borrow from the things people love then, you know? Well, that's why there's lots of gold. Gold's one of those things that people tend to still like, right, honey? <laughs> right, right, right? I mean, we, that's one of the things we still value and, that, and so we still connect with streets of gold. I doubt there are streets of gold. If there are, fantastic. I'll be happy to walk and I'll, I'll be cleaning them. I'm figuring I get into heaven as a street cleaner, no higher. That's what I'm bidding for. That's what I'm looking for. I will be one of the happiest men in, in the universe if I get that far. So I figure, I wonder if there will actually be gold, because I imagine gold could be kind of hard to clean. Maybe you need to polish. I don't know. Pure gold. I, don't know. I just can't imagine. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe it'll be like that. But that's not really what that's about, is it? It's really about a place of so much abundance for everything you ever wanted, dreamed, wanted, loved, enjoyed to the max. In other words, you can't walk from one step to the next without stepping on unimaginable wealth and blessing of everything you want. That's the picture of the streets of gold. It's the whole idea. You're walking. Every step is really stepping on a fortune. <laughs> it's stepping on an unbelievable and unimaginable wealth. You get the picture? It's supposed to be comprehensive, a sense of total bliss. Imagine the sweetest joys you've had in your marriage and your friendship and relationship and joys. Those are just little pictures. Picture the, the sexual joy of orgasm. Those are little pictures. The, 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 pic, the picture of the finding, the, well, they are. All the pleasures we have in this world, whatever they are, they're pleasures in one another, the pleasures in friendship, the pleasures in sexual excitement, all of them are what? They're all glimpses. That's right. They're all pictures. They're all advertisements of streets of gold. Amen. I go to prepare a place for you. What is the second part of how he holds the future? I will come again. He's returning, guys. He's returning. It's a fact so solid, so secure, so real, so immediate. And I don't know when. Neither do you. He didn't know either. <laughs> When he was here, he knows now. He's planning, but he's returning. Things are not done. Things shall be finished. But what is heaven? And this is why the streets of gold, you, what is heaven, guys? How would you define heaven, Johnny? How would you actually define what it is? It's right here. This is the I am I miss, by the way. Sometimes you miss them in the Greek when they're right in front of you. It's where he is. Don't you get it? That is heaven. <laughs> it's his presence. Eyes on him. Eyes on him, right? Eyes on him on that glory. Eyes on him on that joy. He is heaven. <laughs> his face, his shine, his conversation, his touch, his embrace. That's heaven forever. He is heaven. Now, I'm going to call you to live by faith. Yeah, I'm going to call you to live by faith. I'm going to call you to live by, not to get, we'll get to that in a second. I'm going to call you to live by faith. There was, you know, that's what that phrase says. Remember, let yourself, your health be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. We've covered who Jesus is, getting him bigger. He knows your truth. He has the future. He will come again. He prepares a place. He, wing with him is heaven. Now, how does that tell you how to live today, Michael? You, tomorrow you have, to, you have to go into surgery by faith, right? And tomorrow you've got to go to school by faith. You, how are you going to do that? All right, you know, you've got to practice. You've got you got to take care of the kids. You got the, the, the your business. You've got every all one of us. How do you? What is? And so a lot of people complain about the mystery of what this mysterious thing. How living by faith? 
And I actually think it's quite simple. I think it's quite, quite direct in a sense. Now, Christ is saying, eyes on me. He's saying, eyes on me. Focus on me, he says. And, and, and believe me. Now, what I mean by, now, I'm going to capture this for a second. You live by faith every day. You function, you have a functional faith constantly. Trust me. You know, you walk over, you flick the switch. The light went on. That was an act of faith. That is an act of faith. It is. And you say, Chris, I've seen that light go on every time, but you don't know. Power's out. You, you're trusting. You're trusting PG&E. <laughs> Think about how stupid that is. But that's it. But, you, but, but by faith, you flick that switch. And every, you expect, without even questioning it, that that light will go on. Then you get into your car, you turn the ignition. By, you trust everything. That, by, you have confidence. You don't even understand one thing from that wheel to that, from that steering wheel to the wheels on the ground. You don't know what, anything in between, do you? Does anybody understand any of those systems? No. You take it on faith. You pull up to a stoplight. You stop. You let the other cars go by. It comes green. Those cars, and then you drive forward. That's an act of faith. You are trusting those people that they will obey the rules and that the rules are in place and people are agreement. We're constantly, and then you hear the news and you hear some report about, about flooding in the Midwest and then you go, oh, we should call, we should call dad. Let's see what's going on. What? You just live by faith in another man's words about what's happening across the world. And, and it goes on. We live in constant trust and faith all the time. And all it means to live in faith with God is to do the same thing with his words. He says, seek me. So you get up in the morning, you open your Bible. He said, ask me whatever you want. Oh yeah, by the way, Jesus, there's, I need this, 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 and this. I'm really have stressed at, I'm stressed at school. I'm stressed about that. What are you doing when you pray like that? You're just living by the, the ordinary. It's us trusting one word after another, one word after another in his love. Because you know, we are going to walk streets of gold, but do you know God's already put gold underneath your feet in his love? Don't you know he's already said, I will be with you here now. I am with you to the end of the age. I am present here now in living, interceding love. And you see the way you live by faith and your confidence about the processes of the world and physics and your own life and, your, and the people around you. Christ has come in and said, live by my word the same way. Live by life the same way. Turn to my my blessings and my truth and my provision and my presence the same way. Yes. Eyes on me, he says. Just trusting each moment, each promise I've made as if it were as true as CNN or Fox News. Take your poison. I could care less. You care less. No fake news there either. Only the truth. We're going to look at that later, the way, the way the truth in life, but I want to end with this. Because I, sometimes I'll be in a text, and in this text has got these wonderful, uh, this wonder, you notice that the feature I told you in verse 1. Now, that feature I told you in verse 1 of the uh, grammar, the chiastic grammar, that's, uh, those, I love those observations. They are, the, they are the meat, they're some of the meat of the text. And I get excited about it, and I want you to get excited about it. I saw something else, though. Now, these are the truths. This, by this are the truths from Hebrews, isn't it beautiful? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All eyes on him, right? He's just saying, look how big I am. Hebrews is trying to do the same thing. Every author of the Bible is doing the same thing. They're trying to get Jesus bigger, much bigger. And then Christ's words at the end of the Bible, very end of Revelation, I am the Alpha, the Omega, says Jesus, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He who was, he who is, and he who is to come. You've heard that, right? He who was, he who is, and he who is to come. Hmm. Who's got your six? Michael does right now. 
You ever, you ever heard of the expression? You know, in the military, right? Who's got your six right now? Will's got your six, right? He always does. Will's always got your six. That's right. That's the kind of guy Will is. That's the kind of guy Will is. What's that mean? Somebody's got your six. It means they're right behind you. And what they're, what they're doing there is they're taking the, cardinal, the cardinals of, of, the, of the clock, one, two, three, four, five, six. And so I'm facing 12, right? And so, by the way, ladies, maybe this will help you understand men sometimes when they're talking like this, if you hadn't heard this before. But some guys will do this all the time. They tell all the locations around them. And of course, that's very male because you're the center of the world, right? <laughs> you're the center of the universe right there, right? Very, very male, isn't it? <laughs> but I'm bump. And then I was sitting about, I was thinking about this today. And I was thinking, wait a second. Isn't that who Jesus is? Doesn't Jesus sit in the middle of all of eternity and time and say, it all relates to me? It all circles me? It all has meaning based on how it revolves around me. He's much bigger, isn't he? Did you suspect he was this big? Did you suspect the space and time and the universe hung on him like on a balance? He is the king of the cosmos. <laughs> the Virgo supercluster that carries our galaxy and a hundred thousand others down a channel across space and time just sits in front of his throne like a dervish. He's that big. He's the one that all of the num- because he's the one who is yesterday, today, and forever. Didn't you get it? Did you get it in the text? Because I didn't see it until I was like in prayer last night. I was going to, I was some point, I don't know where it was. It was one of those blessed moments and I saw it. What does he say? I tell you your truth. I know you're going to deny me. That's the past. He's the God of the past, right? He's the God of your past. He knows your truth and he loves you. He's also the great what? I am. He stands available now for you and me for real intimacy with who he is and all that he is and his love. But what does he also have? The future. Right in our little verses here. Christ towers and says, I have command of your past, your now, and your forever. Eyes on me. Eyes on me, says Jesus. Because I've got my eyes on you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord and King, dear Father, speak words of life and love to us. Speak words of comfort and invitation and joy. Speak words of new life to us. How many times have we just thought you were so small? You weren't strong enough. We didn't treat you like you were strong. Stronger than time and space and death and life but you are. Many of us are haunted by memories and sins and errors and hateful things we did. Oh, you've got that. You've got that, Father, at the cross. You knew it and you saved us from it. I praise you. Now, this final truth that you have my future, you have our future. You have the future of First Press and St. Paul's. First Press, not St. Paul's, my church in Atlanta. Uh, First Press here in San Francisco. You still have St. Paul's, my church in Atlanta. You have us all. And, uh, and Father, we trust, we, we just, we want to leave it with you now. We want to put our eyes on you. Train us, Father. Help us get our eyes on you, not on our problems, not on the future, not on the past, but on you and your love. Only you can do this when you give us the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
Um, let's, uh, let's continue in worship now. And, and as an act of worship, uh, I hope you get the sense, eyes on me. Like this, this, that's, this is focus right here, right? It, and if you, if you allow yourself to focus on how tangible and real this is, and the truths buried in the symbols and the realities, how the Holy Spirit is in this table itself, He is actually filling, gives us with meaning, and wants to impart to you and me real grace in the moment. Yes, this is your first application of this message. This is your focus. This is our focus, right? All right, let me, let me uh, on the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you, given for you, take and eat. And in the same way, he also took a cup of wine and he said, this is my, my blood. This is the blood of the covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins and take and drink. Uh, what a wonderful Savior to take all of that greatness and reduce it to an image that a child could understand. It's so simple, right? Christ in you, in you, hope of glory. <sighs> Praise Him. This is our final, this is our response to all the worship we've been doing. So, I invite you to this table. Get to this table. Run to this table if you're a sinner. Because Christ knows your truth. And He has given you His love because of that truth. He knows the truth of your failures. He offers his sacrifice here. Now, so sinners are welcome to the table. Sinners are uh, invited to the table. Now, but let me, uh, you know, I have to put up a, a, a boundary. Not everybody is worthy of the table. Not everybody is worthy of the table. Do you know who's not worthy? People who think they're good. People who think they are good. For such people are without hope in the world because they do not need a savior. So, but, and finally, if you're a skeptic and you've been listening to my claims and Christ is not big in your imagination or thinking or mind or hope, um, let's just, he'll get there. Walk, let's walk together and see if he can get there. The greatness of God will change your life. All right. Uh, that, is that, did I do everything? Let's stand. Let's proclaim first. Uh, we do a couple little things here. We proclaim the mystery of faith together, which is such a joy to do. Let's proclaim it now. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Now I ask you to assent to the following, uh, following claims as happening in space and time as the true reason for which you have hope of heaven. Uh, Christian brother and sister, what do you believe? We believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, ascended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, 
please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.